was developed with teachers in mind. We're glad to have you joining us on the podcast where we will dive into everything related to teaching, learning, and technology integration. Our goal is to inspire passion in teachers by discussing strategies and activities that have been successful in the classroom, along with ways to integrate technology for maximum student engagement. In each episode, we want to look at things teachers are doing that are working, detailing teaching strategies and technology integration ideas. Also, special guests will join us to share their own strategies that have been successful with their learners. Well, welcome back for another episode of Teaching in Tech. And as the school year is starting to wind down and we're into the fourth quarter, uh, many schools are going through their testing season. And after that, teachers are going to be looking for good, engaging projects to do with students as we round out the school year. Today's episode focuses on using video projects in class. And there's a lot of great ways that you can get students involved in a variety of different content areas that we'll dive into today. Um, But what we'll do is kind of go through step-by-step looking at where are some good places to use video in content in class, having students create videos, and what are some of the things that you need to be aware of. So the first thing we really need to talk about is that when you do a video project, depending on the size of it and the scale, one of the things you have to be willing to do is commit a little bit of time to the project because often when you're asking students to not only collect video but then also do some editing, there's going to be a certain amount of time it takes them to do that. Probably not something you can cram into just one or two periods. And you'll definitely want to make sure that it's aligned to something. Uh, So with content in mind, you'll want to think about what is the end goal? What What is the production you want a student to come up with? And from there, it'll probably help you determine your timeline and how much time you're going to need in order to allow the students to create this. Yeah, just like any other project that you might do, that objectives are going to be key and how much structure and how much direction you give the students will have a lot to do with the quality of the end product. If it's, if it's a very wide open project and they don't have a lot of direction, there may be some good things created. But if you look at the work that you're going to get from the, from the class as a whole, it's probably going to be very uneven compared to something that's been, uh, let's just say, uh, well, well explained and the objectives and what you're looking for have been made very clear, you're gonna get better results in that way. And I'd add on even beyond just teaching the content, making sure that it's something they can connect to, uh, making sure that you jump in with an app or a product that you've worked with in class, or you're allowing time to teach something that you're gonna work with. So like what we'll talk about today in regards to clips, you're gonna make sure that you have enough time embedded to teach the students the app as well that you're 100% right. If if they don't have any instruction or very limited instruction on using the tools that you're asking them to use to do the project, uh, they're going to be already kind of starting behind. So whether they've used it, if you front-loaded it and you've used some of this video creation um, software in advance, that's a good thing. Or if you're teaching it for the project as you go along, uh, that can that can be effective as well. But that is key. They do need some direct instruction with the tools that they're going to be using. So for this episode today, really this will be a little bit more Apple-centric as we talk about creating some video projects. Uh, iPad is a great resource for that. But even if you're not a building like ours that's one-to-one with iPad, um, using iPhone or in some cases, you you know, even using other uh, smartphones with a camera, students can still collect that video uh, content that we're looking to collect here. And and, I mean, other tech technology pieces have their own type of formats in which you can create and edit videos but but definitely the one we're going to discuss is 
specific to iPad. Yeah, I, I go back to some science labs that I did early on using laptops and using Chromebooks. We did do some labs where we collected video content, not so much what we're going to be talking about today, but short, short pieces of uh, video that would go into lab reports. And it's just a little bit harder a lot of times to collect that video when you're using a front-facing camera on a Chromebook or on a, on an, a laptop. Yeah, and I don't think you can get the creative angle when, when you're holding a laptop and right. trying to do a lot of selfie mode there. That, that's exactly right. So that is in the kind of in the type of projects that we're going to be talking about. That is the key. When you're using an iPad or or when you're using a smartphone, you've got a lot more flexibility with a front-facing and a back-facing camera and the different types of shots you can get and the kind of video that you can collect. So that that's for sure. Yeah, and and so in addition to making sure that you have the appropriate tech. Um, you do want to set students up to be successful with the project. So you want to make sure that there is an outline or structure uh, rubric that, that really explicitly shows students what you're expecting out of the project. Um, in this case, you know, storyboarding would be a big piece and where you can really bring in a composition of the rubric in an outline format for the students. Um, these can be created for really any types of videos that you want to create, such as documentaries, short films or clips, uh, maybe an informational video, or even a, a fictional one if students are creating their own story. Um, but storyboarding should be in maybe a template format, uh, and, and this would just really provide an overall structure for the expectations. Well, think about a writing assignment. If you were looking at a longer form writing assignment, there's really no way you could write an effective, uh, polished essay without doing some pre-planning. So if you're doing a video project, it's no different. I mean, being able to put something really good together, it's going to require some planning on the front and then some work on the back end. In my opinion, you know, putting together really good video work, it is similar to the writing process. It's a process of planning, gathering your information, and then editing at the end, similar to drafting and then editing your first draft. You can't just jump in and execute it. Right. So it is a process. Yeah, and so... Uh, in regards to students preparing their storyboard, um, there's a couple different ways that you could do it. You know, there's obviously the old school paper. I, I mean, I'm one that even regardless of what the outline, I like to hand draw uh, before I really formalize it in my in my tech or on notes or something. Um, but you, you have pages in the iPad that can be used. And, and we've talked about this in, in previous episodes, Chad, where, you know, pages has the multimedia aspects of it where you can bring in different images small clips that kind mm -hmm. of reinforce what maybe the outline wants to hold um, you can share if you have um, apple ids mm -hmm. district issued apple ids and so pages really is probably the most uh, probably the probably the most useful in regards to all of the different tools in which it, it holds so I, as you bring that up, I'm thinking about that, and I like the idea of if you have a, a collaborative document and yeah. you have a group that's working on a video, as a teacher, if you've set up that document with the template uh, for the different things you're looking for, you know, you could even put placeholders into that document so that the students could add their clips into their storyboard. Mm -hmm. They could take those video clips and add them in as they start to plan that out uh, and then later use that video content as they put it all oh, together. Oh, that's a good point. I think about the... Uh Apple Learning Coach, yeah, where they gave you the everything for each module in pages, and then you could just do the plus and, and add in and already the... Hit that add button and put it right in there. You could do that in your template. 
Yeah, and then students just have to make a copy and then submit. Right. Um, you know, Google Docs would be another place that you could do some storyboarding, put together a template, make a copy for each student or each group. That'd yep. be very basic type of outline, very um, yep. normal, just written but right. typed. Yep. And then, you know, one other thing that that's um, I think is a consideration, you mentioned liking to sketch things out, liking to draw things out. If we're working on iPad, you know, the Freeform app, which came along in iPad OS 16.2, that has basically just a blank canvas for them to work. So if you're working with a stylus and you want to sketch some things out, Freeform is an awesome place to do that. And you're not really confined to just a page. You think about pages and docs, you're in more of a word processing format. You're confined to just that page. Freeform's a blank canvas where you could be... You could draw adding, a concept map. You could draw your own concept mapped in. You could add, uh, insert images, insert video clips in there. you got a lot of different things that you could insert, and you just really have a canvas to store all that stuff. So I think that's a great place to try to set something up. The only thing I'm not sure how you would do, uh, and there may be a way to do this that I'm not aware of, but I'm not sure how you would be able to, as a teacher, set up a template for them to use um, in Freeform. But... But if they had a rubric and you said, here, you have these options, Freeform could be one of them. And if you one of your lessons leading into the, the actual production of the video, gathering of the content and then the students at editing their videos, could be that if you're working in a class and the students have iPads where you open up Freeform and it, almost like a note-taking session, you start to set up you know, your template of what all you want in that storyboard of shot by shot what they're looking for or frame by frame what they're looking for. Oh, nice. All right, so really where we're going to go next is talk a little bit about iPad and iPhone. Clips is a great place to start for students working with video. And there's a couple reasons why it's a really good starting point if you're doing video projects. If you haven't used Clips before, Clips is designed to be very simple, and it gives students a lot of tools that are packaged together in a way that are easy to use. And they can put together uh, a lot of different types of video content. If you compare it to Apple's flagship video editing uh, software, iMovie, uh, clips I look at as just being a lot, a lot more simplistic. There's an element of simplicity there. And being simplistic doesn't mean it's still not powerful. There's a lot of powerful tools built in. I mean, if, even the Apple Learning Coach had to start with clips uh-huh. as far as one of the tools you know, foundational tools to start working with. And submitting a video, going talking yeah. about some of your goals and some of your background as a teacher. One of the things I think that students would like about Clips is that it has some features that are comparable to social media. So if you're looking at, uh, we know a lot of our students are proficient at filming TikTok videos, putting videos on Instagram. There's some comparable features there, and it's not identical. It's not exactly the same, uh, but there's. I a, think the usability is very similar. Similar in that way. So there's going to be for some of the students that you work with, there is going to be a comfort level there, especially for those that have already had some experience doing some of their own video work. Right. Very intuitive for the students to come in and and kind of start navigating their way through it, rather than iMovie, where it's pretty con- comprehensive program as far as more professional type video editing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the features that make clips really, really useful when students are gathering this video, when they open up a file, they can easily film various clips where it stitches them all together in their timeline. So when they are, you know, using the button and holding that button down to start filming, once they release and that, that video clip stops, they can easily then press the button down Pick start right the up. next one, and it's going to just stitch them all together. And once they start to gather that, you know, if we want a more polished video at the end, they can trim the ends of them. Click and drag, yep. cut, 
Yeah, and, and, and that way by trimming them, they can kind of get the, the content they want to get out of there and then just get everything uh, in, in the order they want and the arrangement that they want. You know, the other nice feature that Clips has, not only can you uh, add that video content, but if you have some uh, images that you want to insert along the way, very easy to insert an image in there and then, you know, have that uh, play throughout the video uh, with a still frame. Um, and even to get a little more powerful, there's a pan and zoom feature there. So if students are starting to add some style or flair where they can zoom into individual um, still photos, that's a nice feature too. And, and on top of that, there's um, the, auto, the audio that they can add in, uh, music soundtracks, voiceovers. So if you really want to get very specific or, or have a narration, um, or like you said, the creativity with maybe adding music for an intro mm -hmm. or an outro in regards to the video. Uh, students can kind of put their own spin on it with that. Unless you have a very specific video project that's like a silent film. Yeah. Adding Which this would be good for it too. Uh, yeah, but unless unless you're looking at that very specific application, most videos that you would create or have students create can really be enhanced if they have some audio and some some uh, music in the background. Even if it's even if it's just instrumental, even if it's just playing at a low volume. Even the the videos that I've made in the past for staff members for students tutorial videos, I try to put like just a soft instrumental in the background because it just really it takes kinda, away the noise and the, the, the or dead, even the yeah, dead sound. The dead sound. Yep. And I even like the voiceover feature. Uh, I know in class there was a lot of maybe background noise. If I couldn't get them into an isolated space, mm -hmm. they can go back, kind of mute out the background sounds, and then talk over. That's a really nice feature because you're right. When you're working in a class setting, you don't have a video production lab where, or an ability for them to, to you know, really work on the sound on the front end. So it lets them take some of that out on the back, which is a good thing. I think one of the other things that students would really like about clips as you start to add those into projects, the filters that you can use with the camera to change the way the background looks to fit a certain project type, um, stickers, which, you know, students are very, you know, very familiar with. Being so, able yeah, with, we know with social media, they like the filters, they like the stickers, yeah. they like to kind of enhance it with their own personality with those bitmojis and emojis and it does definitely give more personality to it to use those stickers and one thing that i think is really cool in clips is the ability to take the voice dictation that if you're narrating in a video and then have that to be kind of transposed into titles on the screen mm -hmm. as you're speaking which is a really cool thing and can be a visual effect but depending on what type of video you're creating can be very functional too it could be an important part of like let's say an informational video or an explanation type video it could be really really helpful with that yeah um just and one other thing just to throw in there real quick too is that they have a feature in clips called posters which gives you some really nice backgrounds to put text on whether you're splitting up sections of the video doing like a card for the title like intro of the video and those posters give you a, quite a few nice uh, visually appealing title slides transitions yeah. anything along those lines yeah so clips is a great place to start it's simple but one thing i would say that in, in projects that i've used it for in the past if a teacher hasn't used it um, themselves, mm -hmm. it would be really something you, I think, want to spend a little bit of time just playing around with to get familiar with. Because um, once you start to use it and you figure out how it works, I think it's really intuitive. But for a teacher who's maybe a little more, um, most of their workflows on a laptop and they're a little bit more linear in the way they use technology, there's a little bit of a learning curve there. Jump in and, and test the waters a yeah. little bit, which... Yeah. 
you know, start talking about how to apply this into some of our video projects, um, any teacher can do do an activity where maybe an introductory video, and and like we said, if you're if you want to take the time to have a video project, it'd be good to take the time to teach how to make a video project. Mm -hmm. And so if a teacher doesn't know how to work with clips, I, I mean, really my exposure to clips was pretty limited before the Apple learning coach mm -hmm. and, and being able to dive in and kind of just play with it a little bit. I mean, heck it was within 15, 20 minutes. I was kind of getting a grasp of the different features. Mm -hmm. uh, but in any class you could create an introductory introduction video. If I could talk today, introduction video and then have students turn around and create the same thing and and so any class if you're planning to do a video project at some point throughout the year this would be a great way to front load the information on how to work with clips while also doing it a normal beginning of the year activity right and to me i look at it you think of some of the the standard uh, get to know you back to school type activities mm -hmm. And, you know, some there's a comfort level for some of those that teachers have done for a long time. You know, I think about like the classmate bingo type thing where you oh, walk yeah. around with the sheet finding who's... Go find somebody that signed, get a right. signature. And, and, you know, students have also, especially high school students, they've done those many times in most cases. And if they know a lot of their peers... They'll just run over and say, sign this. Right. <laughs> so I look at it to say, hey, why not do something that maybe that is a little more engaging and then also as you said front loads for something you want to do content related later in the year so at the beginning of the year if you're teaching those skills you're creating those um, back to school introduction videos of the students and then you find a place to to post all those clips you get another t a chance to teach a technology skill if they're going to upload it to a shared folder uh, if they're going to add that to google classroom google drive creating google, a shared folder a shared a shared folder exactly so to me, that's, I think you're getting a lot more mileage out of an activity like that because you're accomplishing your goal of doing a back-to-school introduction activity, but you're also embedding some of those tech skills that are going to be important throughout the year. And so it's, it's really kind of doubling up on that. And I would even add on, if you were to do a project like this, to maybe have criteria that students need to have in every video. So they oh, have to sure. add a transition. Oh, they have sure. to add a title slide yeah. just so that it requires them to go through some yeah. of the basic features. That, and and that, to spark their creativity a little bit, right. too. Because as they start to dive in, they go, oh, man, I can do this, I can do this. Kids will naturally do it, but you almost have to nudge them. And, I, and I'm thinking about a high school setting with, with high school kids who probably, by the time they're sophomores and juniors, know each other pretty well mm -hmm. in a lot of cases. If you can put together these videos and then afterward have a place where they can go through and watch all of them, uh, maybe it's more about they're looking at the creativity and the things that people added in their videos. And that's, what's drawn them in more so than just, Hey, here's some facts about me, or here's a few informational things about me. And you're, you're giving them a skill, as we mentioned, that's going to help later on down the road in content. So great way to start out the year. It's a good point. I mean, when I would do video projects in class, kids, I mean, we, we obviously it was content related, but they were more fascinated with how creative a group got. Yeah. I'm thinking back actually a couple years ago. So at the beginning of the pandemic, well, I shouldn't say the beginning. This would be more mid-pandemic. So we came back for the 2021 school year. Mm -hmm. And that was obviously a very strange year because we had just spent the last about almost three months of the last school year out of school. Right. Uh, coming back to a setting where we were going to be uh, in school two days a week, virtual two days a week, uh, a learning day. And it was a really a weird situation. But because the, the teaching in the first week of school was 100% virtual, everything had to be virtual. So one of the activities that we did was some video creation. 
And really, it's just some really cool ideas that students came up with. A newscast was one of them that a student introduced himself, almost like he was a news anchor. Oh, Um, nice. And, you know, the other thing that just to point out, you know, if we're looking at the needs of all of our students, we know some students are going to be a little bit more, uh, let's say, shy about coming on camera. Well, I I showed them right in the instruction of some of the tools that were available. Hey, take one of those stickers. If you want to put an emoji like covering your face, feel free. That way you can still communicate, get your ideas across. You don't have to feel self-conscious about being on camera. And I had several kids who did that. Yeah. And it, it was actually depending on how they package it all together. It was kind of comical. And some of the kids kind of (laughs) laughed as we watched them. It did, it it wasn't weird or awkward. Like if they're creative, it just made it in a way where they could relax and and make it kind of like almost more cartoonish. Yeah, that's a great idea. And, And you know what? providing that outlet for kids, uh, probably increased engagement in the up in, in that activity. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and dive into some of the content. So, you know, I'd like to start with math. That that was my background. Uh, one video project that we did, and, and we kind of scratched the surface with our iPads a little bit. And this was before clips. So we ended up having to use iMovie. Mm-hmm. Some kids, because I was, um, I had a little bit of background with it, so I could, I could support it, but really the kids took off. Uh, but we would create a geometry sales pitch. And so when we talk about the four methods of proving congruence in triangles, uh, students would then, so we'd go ahead and front load the information, we'd do our lesson, we'd do our activities, and then we'd divide into groups, and then students would raffle off, and then they get to choose which of the four that they wanted to uh, be the sales rep for. And so you know, we would only limit how many you could do. So like side, 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 I can only have two groups. Otherwise, you know, because that's the easiest one, everybody would kind of fall in line, which yeah, is you have to have, some, you have, to have some diversity throughout the room and what the different projects are about. Right. But so we would end up with uh, a bunch of, a bunch of different ideas. Groups of three would come in um, and you, you really have to rely on your teammates to really know what they're talking about. Um, and you'd have somebody recording, somebody on camera and then you had somebody editing was really kind of the outline but at some point everybody had to be in the image in the video i like the what you said there too another when if you're doing a video in a group setting given a structure where there are specific roles for the students to fill really helps to keep from one student kind of taking over doing all the work and the other ones just kind of hanging out while they do it forces accountability a little bit but i will say my favorite and I, I'm pretty sure I still have it saved somewhere. They did uh, their version of a sham wow commercial. Um, you know, they got all dressed up, and, and then they did all the transitions where it was. Um, sort of like the as seen on TV type yes. commercial. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. And, and so then after, at the end of the project, we would show everybody in class. Uh, we would vote, and then which product would you buy? And so it really gave the opportunity because – Students could put their creative spin. It had to engage content. And then they also, because they knew their classmates were going to watch it, it kept them accountable for what was going to be on film. It has to be some decent quality so you yeah. don't end up looking stupid when we watch these videos. Exactly. So obviously there's a rubric. It had to be within so much time. It had to address certain things. Yep. Uh, but the fact that your classmates are watching it, was that was the ultimate piece that rec- that, that they would go the extra mile mm-hmm. to make sure that it didn't look, didn't look dumb. Right. That's, and that to me, that's a, actually a healthy form of accountability mm-hmm. because you're, you're, it's an authentic product. You know that more than just the teacher is going to be watching it. And so it just to give that little bit of uncomfortability that I don't want to look I don't want to make myself look bad by being lazy is for a lot of people a good motivator to kind of get in gear and do something worthwhile. 
and everybody wants to to show off their creativity mm-hmm. in that regard so groups would end up trying to outdo each other they'd look over in the room and see somebody's drawing a, a marker mustache on themselves so then the other group has to you know try and right. one up it something that's a little with bit creating fun, yeah. an you know yeah. extravagant outfit so yep. yeah. yeah it was definitely a good time yeah that's great so one other thing that i know that you've done in the past um, in a math setting Obviously, the geometry videos, that's a, a great opportunity to integrate uh, some video creation in a, in a math class where you're working really very closely on your standards. But, you know, Khan, Khan Academy has become really a, a staple in a lot of math classes. Yep. Does a phenomenal job of explaining the concepts in a really an isolated fashion. So you're looking at very specific math skills in a very clear, concise way. Mm-hmm. But what you hear from a lot of the students is, just because the voice is kind of, you know, with Drones sound con, it's kind of dr- droning, droning might be a little bit of, if you've watched too many of them, that's a good way to describe it. <laughs> so I know that you in the past have had the students create their own Khan Academy videos on concepts. Maybe talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so this was one where the geometry one was very specific to a ty- time and year. Khan Academy videos, I could do at any point. So if we hit a concept where I could tell students were kind of falling off a little bit. Uh, we would end up saying, okay, we're going to we're gonna scratch it, we'll front load it, I'll have them actually kind of do a little bit of research, and then they have to create their own con video explaining how to do the concept to engage their classmates. And so I think back to it was beginning of the year, it was tough to kind of re-engage them. We talked about uh, isolating a variable, and so I would base it based on where they're at in regards to that content. And so then I would have students kind of group up or partner up, and they would have different levels in which they would have to teach how to isolate the variable. So some were one step all the way up to multi-step. Mm-hmm. Same standards, same skills, but it was meeting them kind of where they're at. They had to then create the video in a way to pull in their classmates. Now, with a, with a math video, as you're describing here, did they have some type of, were they using some type of virtual whiteboard that they were diagramming on as they did the voiceover with it? Was it like a screen recording from an iPad? How did, how did you do that? Any and all. So I had some students, one would record themselves uh, using a whiteboard. Um, I had some that would get a little bit more creative with trying to come up with a project-based. Um, others would then do screen recording, mm-hmm. so I'd show them how to do that. At that time, I had just regular styluses, mm-hmm. and so then they, you know, they could do that on like notes because yep. it had the drawing feature. Yep. So there, it, it, it was. I would give them the options, but if they came to me and said, "Hey, can I try this?" Heck yeah. Yeah, for sure. Anytime they come up with something creative, that's always a good way to move forward. And I'm thinking about this, too, that if you have a setting where, let's say, an algebra class where you have some specific skills, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's distributive property or isolating variables or whatever the case, you know, whatever the concept of the case may be, if you pick some of these great student examples of work, you can almost build a library of your own students explaining and describing these different concepts, which is really nice thing to have available to kids later on down the road. Oh, looking back, I mean, it would definitely been beneficial to almost create a shared drive and to have it by skill and allow all those videos, like you said, to kind of create a library. Even a Google site where they're actually embedded even, in there and even the students, better. part of your class website or your linked in your Google Classroom where the students can head out there and check those resources. And I think really when you compare it to Khan Academy, Obviously, Khan Academy is a great resource. I mean, the year the year that I taught sixth grade math, that was really a go-to for me for practice just because they could rewatch the video if they needed it after I taught the concept, do some practice work. But it just has to be used in the right time and place. If they're actually looking at tutorial videos involving their friends, themselves, or kids they know, I think that that's actually... More a, apt to watch it. Yeah. 
yeah. missed opportunity. I'm looking back to that, that to create the library, but but we would also add the piece of don't exceed a minute and a half. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that really it's it's yeah. double their age as their attention span, and when when you start hitting beyond, you know, when you start hitting the five to seven minute videos that they're watching on con, it's. I would even argue Drawing. this. I would even argue this too that there's probably a, a, a case that could be made for keeping a minute, even 45 seconds or under, mm-hmm. because the attention span, a minute On and a half videos, doesn't seem yeah. like much, but when you start thinking about when you're looking for a specific thing to be explained, a minute and a half can be a long time. Oh so yeah. So I I've noticed that. Early on when I was creating tutorial videos for t- different tech concepts for teachers and students both, some of them got to be four or five minutes. That is really, like, way too long. I think in as a, an adult, a, I don't I don't want to pay attention to a video that, that's long, that is that long. Really, it's almost to the point now where I try to isolate and have enough videos that we're talking, like, two minutes or less. And in, in the case, like, if you're looking at a specific math skill, if you do it well, under a minute's pretty reasonable. Oh, yeah. So let's move on and talk about science a little bit. I've got a couple things that um, I think are great applications, especially depending on the time of year and, and when you, what you're trying to do in terms of content and in terms of motivation. So I'm thinking about in the springtime, after testing, you're trying to keep the engagement up. Students are already in that summer mindset. Um, after testing, there's kind of a brain drain there. They've given a big effort on that. And so if you get opportunities that you can go outside and you have the right setting at your campus, obviously a lot of different settings that schools are in, but if you've got the type of campus where you have some green space where you can get the kids outside, you need a, you need a really good activity, but if you can do some learning outside, a good opportunity to enjoy some fresh air, to also do something a little bit different than a standard um, class lesson or a lab type lesson. So one of the things that we would do in middle school science is we would work on the plant structures. So starting with cells and then building to tissues and getting into the structures and, and how do those relate to living organisms, right? If you could put together a project where the students were, now you start to think about that in the springtime in a note-taking format, plant structures, don't got a whole lot of like future botanists out there who are going to be super <laughs> excited about that. But if you could go outside, give them specific directions for different types of plant structures, and then they would put together a documentary style video. Mm-hmm. And you have the type of campus where there's some green space where they can find some different plants and get some video footage of that. That to me is a pretty good start for a project that can engage students they're not only learning about the science content, but also learning some tech skills that are going to help them. And they get to do it in a little bit different setting where it could be helpful for the students and quite honestly, helpful for the teacher that time of year too, just to get out and get some fresh air. So, you know, I'm thinking about this and if I'm going to plan that kind of project, again, even though it's not a fictional type video, storyboard's going to be very important. Uh, They're going to plan out the different shots that they're going to get, what they're looking for, for the video. And then the other thing that's going to be really important, too, is giving them some background on, okay, if this is a documentary video, if you just give me like a reel without much other information of just like four or five shots of videos of looking at plants, it's probably not going to be super engaging. But how can you package that in a way and learn a little bit about effects, transitions, voiceovers, uh, voiceovers, pan and zoom type stuff, how to put uh, like overlays with images, arrows pointing to different structures in the plant. 
maybe that's a little bit of the tech geek in me, but to me, that's a pretty, a pretty interesting oh, yeah. project to put all that together. And you're also, again, if, especially the younger the students are when you're doing this, you're giving them some skills that they can apply in future settings. Now, um, the other thing, too, to keep in mind, too, in science, a documentary-style video could be a nice project. Um, integrating video in terms of demonstration videos is another thing, too. So a lot of science concepts, if you're trying to explain the concept, it doesn't have to be a full-length documentary. It could just be a short instructional video, explanation video, how-to video. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things I was thinking about, and at the time we really weren't one-to-one, -one, and it was really kind of before um, student devices had really taken off in terms of where now pretty much every student has a camera in their pocket. Right. But we, we did an outdoor learning lab, and it was mainly based on earth science, looking at things like watersheds, stream flow. Um, we were in a nature area along a creek, talked about where the, what watershed that creek was part of. And one of the things that we looked at a little bit was the idea of stream flow, which has to do with the gradient of a stream and how fast the water is moving as it goes from the highest to the lowest point. And so the way that we did that is we, we had stop, the old school stopwatches. I had a student with a fishing pole with a bobber on it. They would throw it in. We had almost like a starting line. Finish, yeah. And then go through and use the formula, calculate the stream flow. But how much cooler would that be if at the time we would have had uh, – a video of that bobber moving down the stream and then have them do overlays of starting point, ending point, how long it took, and then an explanation of, you know, how they calculated the stream flow in a short little, as you said, probably minute, minute and a half video. So yeah. it sounds like it would be a really fast project to do it. Well, you're probably looking at two to three periods, which in the springtime, more or less toward the end of the school year, if it's well laid out and you're working on those standards, you probably have that time to give. Um, but demonstration videos can be, and again, that you start to add that creativity layer into it. So creation is one of the highest levels of understanding. Yep. Yeah. And then one last thing I've, I've talked about in um, other episodes as well. Anytime you're doing science experiments, there's always good opportunities to film what you're doing and then implement that into your lab reports. Um, maybe depending on the activity, you need to get a little more in depth with the video. Um, but I'll get a perfect example of this. I was talking to one of our science teachers today. Uh, she's physical science. They were actually doing the uh, one of the classic bridge building projects and mm, then testing right. them for load. And she was showing me some pictures of them. The kids were, were really excited with the project. I, I said, hey, what, what if using video you film the testing of the bridge when you try to break it and then you can slow that video down and find the stress points and see where the bridge actually failed? And it was like, a light bulb like that is like we're having a great time with this project and once we add that that's going to take it over the top yeah that's awesome and then students can kind of pause and then they can provide an analysis after the fact yep it's a great way to enhance the project well when we jump into english um we actually talked about a couple different ways uh, to incorporate video um one being a book review you know Towards, towards the end of the year, you tend to get students trying to engage them in novels, maybe uh, novel choice, and allowing students to kind of read through and then provide a synopsis and an analysis of, of the novel as they're going through it or at the end of it. Um, there could be specificities that you want them to cover in regards to the novel, um, but at the end they could create a whole video you know, documenting exactly what, what they liked, what they didn't like, um, character analysis, really anything that uh, you really want them to, to expand on in regards to what they read. Yeah. I'm also thinking about the idea of oftentimes when you're looking at fictional literature, 
the characters are a very important part, trying to analyze the character and some of their traits, how they fit into the story. So the idea of making different character profile videos, mm. which I think students would, would really enjoy if you give them some key things that you're looking for in that video, how to enhance maybe tell them the story of that character and that might be a good opportunity to do almost like a trailer style video just a short trailer for that individual character right that'd definitely be a shorter clip than your book review but yep. that could be an aspect of it or a piece of it maybe your favorite character and then provide a character profile video you know in regards to the novel that you read even shorter yet then think about making videos for individual vocabulary words mm, so yes. when a teacher do something yeah, the, the New York Times uh, vocabulary contest. So when you're talking about v vocabulary, obviously vocabulary is key to understanding when you're reading. And if you have these important words that are going to resurface over and over again, that's really worth investing a little bit of time. And we know that students typically tend to be visual learners. So think about the old activity of like writing definitions out of the dictionary. Obviously not super good at keeping kids busy, but not super effective in terms of like the learning value. And that's difficult in ELA because you're touching base on every word that you come in, in contact with. <laughs> that's true, too. Uh, think about taking some of these keywords, though, and having students create video shorts and then using like visual examples of explaining that word. You said creation is a really high level of understanding, mm -hmm. so they have to understand what that word means to be able to put together a video that explains it in a way that, one, makes sense, and, two, is interesting and watchable. Yeah. yeah I think back to the one where our teacher, um, English teacher David Anderson, had his kids do this in regards to um, a list of Tier 2 terms. And the students that did it was 15-second video. Uh, I believe the word was agape. And student got scared in his seat turns mouth is wide open and it fr freeze frame on his mouth wide open and it said a gape and then it did the definition and that was it and so now every kid that watched it could then reference what that word was and they picture you know that image in regards to the term right so it, it, students are creative we have to give them the opportunity to be creative so one last thing that we'll talk about in terms of video creation, we still have the social studies angle. And documentaries could definitely be something that fits well with social studies. We talked a little mm -hmm. bit about that in the science. But think about in a government class. So I'm picturing a high school level juniors uh, government class. Current events, I mean, we have a number of things that all you have to do is, is a quick web search, and you can find a number of things going on around the world that will fit with standards uh, based on whether it's a history class or whether it's a government class. And so giving the students the opportunity to pick a current event that they find interesting, student choice, and then based on their choice, follow a set of criteria to put together a, a documentary or even maybe like a, a newsreel, news short type video that deals with that current event. Again, uh, it depends on how much time you want to commit to it, how important the standard is in your overall content. But I think that's a, a way to start integrating some of these skills and have students, uh, you know, put together some original work. Or maybe even like a news broadcast. I think, you know, a lot of our government classes watch um, CNN 10. Yeah, that's pretty much a staple now. And, and now you could have students create their own CNN 10 based on, you know, it could be a series of events and they just have to you know run through it i'm thinking about almost if you wanted to put this together in a way that you could have more of a, a 
group dynamic to it. So if you had small groups creating these individual current event stories, mm -hmm. and then the editing part of sharing those videos together in one file and then to putting bring those it together, together into like, one video, like a newscast for that class period or for that room, and then being able to compare those, you know, class by class and period by period, which would be kind of cool. That would be very cool. Another one that I got kind of excited about was uh, propaganda. You know, this is always a big deal when, when you start talking through um, history, world history and American history. And if students were to maybe take a, a time era and create their own propaganda video that would fall in line with that time period in which they're learning. Um, you know, so they, they really need that higher level understanding of what was occurring during that time and then what propaganda means and what it would look like. I was thinking about that as you mentioned propaganda and so putting together like an analysis of a current event, you know, that's on one level mm -hmm. in terms of thinking skills. But when you're talking about to first to understand what propaganda is and then to be able to intentionally create some and kind of skillfully build that propaganda to use certain facts to influence people a certain way. Uh, that's a really a very high level of thinking. Oh yeah, so, and then and then determining which group they want to influence based on the information. Right to to pick that target group, how they're going to use that that the certain facts to kind of appeal to them, and then what point it is that they're trying to really enhance, or in some cases with propaganda embellish. Yeah. So if so, if they were given, um, you know, if I'm the teacher and I give them a perspective, they now have to influence. So you know, because I I know that this could be very uh, controversial. But if, if there's no maybe choice in the matter where you're kind of keeping all political views out of out of this conversation and it's just by random draw. As I'm thinking about that from a teacher perspective, so the way I would handle that and if it was in my classroom is I would I would put together like a skeleton framework of here's the different topics we want to use propaganda yeah. to either, you know, that we want to use propaganda to get our point across. And, and from there, you have a little bit of control of kind of directing them in which way right. they're going to go. And then they get to be creative on how they build that and assemble it and put it together. And th that way you can kind of avoid maybe some things that might get to a point where you don't want things to go in your class. Because you never want to be taken as you're trying to influence a certain way. Oh, absolutely not. And, and so maybe, I guess as I'm thinking this through, as you're looking at trying to choose these, you know, you can specifically avoid some topics that might be above, like, the age appropriateness for mm -hmm. the students. Uh, you can avoid certain topics that you know might just, based on the, your background or demographics of your students, that might be, you know, different. In different schools, students are going to take different topics in a, in a different way based on their own personal experiences. Right. So to really just to control that, to maximize the learning experience, because if you think about it, the key is you want them to be able to analyze and understand what propaganda is. And then, you know, once they start to understand that, they can be on the lookout for that because we experience that all the time, depending on, oh, right. on where the information is coming from. Um, you know, we normal, sometimes we think of uh, almost like propaganda only coming from dictatorship type countries, but you see it in small Anything ways. Anything can be skewed. Advertising yeah. and a number of different ways. Yep. So, but I, I do like the idea of trying to look at different projects in the content area, especially in this case, social studies and looking at them on different levels. So based on like the readiness of your class, maybe certain class periods are only ready for something that's more of an analysis level of a current event situation. Maybe on another hand, I have some students who are just developed and advanced a little bit more where they're ready for something deeper. And then that gives you an opportunity to kind of think that through. Yep. And as a reminder, all of these activities can be done in clips.
Yeah, that's exactly right. And again, too, to give a little bit more um, differentiation to the project, it could also be a setting where if you want, if your students have used clips on a project and uh, were able to get through it somewhat quickly, to advance onto iMovie, and we didn't, we really have only scratched the surface, just looking kind of here at the basics with Apple. But there's a number of web-based, you know, video editing tools out there now today as well. So you can really take this as far as you're right. willing. There's to always take competitors, it, which which is also exciting. Mm -hmm. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode. And as we've talked about some of these ideas from the Every Everyone Can Create series that Apple has put out, we've been focused on video today. I hope you've enjoyed this uh, episode and have found some ideas that you might be able to integrate. The beauty about video is that you can you can find ideas and examples in any content area, uh, really with most age groups of kids, uh, to motivate them, to get them thinking creatively. And what's especially nice for teachers is in some cases to give them some engagement, especially late in the school year. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please remember to subscribe, rate, and write us a review. You can find previous episodes of Teaching in Tech with Alan and Chad on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.